Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Hello, everybody. Um, 24 of What Do You Got? Unfortunately, we did end up missing our holiday episode, which I do really quickly. I want to run through what our pitches might have been for that, just because I'm I'm still very happy with what I came up with. Um. I don't know if you have that readily available for you. Uh, I'm absolutely not prepared for that. No. <laughs> and then I will just talk about what I had um, just because I really wanted to do that one. And unfortunately, circumstances had that we were not able to. Um, so thank you for joining us, everybody. Today, we are going to be discussing an interesting topic. But before we do that, uh, Rob and I did have plans to run out a uh, Christmas Eve episode that was supposed to air on Christmas Eve, but things got in the way and we weren't able to do it. Um, but I was still really happy with my pitch. So real quick, I just want to run down what that would have been. Um, the article I had sent to Rob was basically uh, the the history of the advertising of Coca-Cola creating Santa Claus. So prior to Coca-Cola kind of revitalizing the look of Santa Claus in the late uh, 1920s, early 1930s, his his look was a lot a lot darker and a lot creepier um so you you can anytime you see the jolly saint nick with the big belly and the rosy cheeks and the nice full beard uh you can actually uh, attribute that to basically coca-cola and their advertising department um yeah f- full stop this is basically just our spec script for mad men yeah yeah you're not wrong uh so what i came up with uh was the idea that it's um pretty much in this universe, Santa Claus is a real person and everybody knows he exists. So it's kind of like Hancock. I came up with the idea of an ad agency reinvigorating the idea of Santa because the the look he has is too creepy for children and they want to start pursuing um, more more kid-friendly themes with his, with his persona. Uh, so in the universe, he is real and an ad agency is hired to recreate his image around the world. It takes place in the 1950s in New York City, so you get a lot of that really cool 1950s aesthetic. Um, the director that I came up with was John Favreau, because why not? Um, he has some Christmas experience. <laughs> some christmas experience my cast i'm really excited about uh so i came up for santa michael keaton holy shit (laughs) because i think we should get michael keaton as santa claus at some point um the the publicist i came up with that's gonna like help reinvigorate his his uh his design and his 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 persona uh simon pegg um mrs claus would be played by uh diane wiest and the ad agency boss like the the grizzled old ad agency ceo would have been michael shannon um (laughs) a couple of the titles i came up with were santa's little helper the santa pitch the tinsel tactic check it twice and from naughty to nice but i was really excited about michael keaton as santa so i really quickly just wanted to throw that in there (laughs) i was i was just excited to write an episode of mad men i'm not going to pretend that's not what my pitch was (laughs) why would someone let 
an angry Turkish Catholic into their home. <laughs> Maybe he's uh, holly, he's jolly, he's morbidly obese. That's the campaign. <laughs> Don, my boy, you've done it again. Holding a lucky strike. Um, Maybe maybe next episode if if you can uh, if you can grab your your notes on that we can we can pitch your Christmas episode. Oh sure, yeah, um, little, little January treat. Yeah, but uh, on we go to today's actual topic. Uh, so for a for a while now since we started this podcast, Rob and I have always wanted to do a uh, an old western uh, style film, and I think with this article we may be able to come up with something. So the article we have is from a website called expresstonowhere.com. As always, will be linked in the description of this uh, episode. Um, it's and a great it, website name. <laughs> it is. It's an interesting one. I've never actually seen this website before. As, as we've said before, we kind of like stumble across these articles and I throw them into a folder for later use. Uh, so I've been sitting on this one for a little bit. Uh, but this is a shorter article. So I'm actually just going to basically read through most of it. Um, Intro to Palisade, Nevada. In the 1870s, rich people from the East were constantly hearing stories of how wild and unlawful the West was. Many wanted to see what life out there was like and if it really was such a brutal society of murder and crime. So tourists from the East would take trains across the country in hopes of getting a glance at the rugged frontier. And for the people of Palisades, Nevada, they were more than welcoming the thought of playing along. So the town of Palisade, Nevada, was founded in 1868 as a watering station along the Humboldt River for the Central Pacific Railroad. It was fairly small at the beginning due to the rail mainly being used to transport ore from the nearby mine. But when it became part of the main east-west transcontinental railroad owned by Union Pacific, the population boomed. Soon tourists were showing up and the people of Palisade wanted to make their town a must-see stop for their trips. They built saloons and cafes for the tourists to visit on their brief stops in town. Uh, but they also began to do something very unique that people couldn't stop talking about. They began to fake that their town was really as wild as people from the East were hearing. So it all started one day in 1870 when a train full of tourists traveling West stopped in town for their five minute wait. Frank West was leaning against a fence near the now stopped train. Alvin Kittleby began to walk towards Frank. Frank lifted himself up off the fence and threw his cigarette to the ground and watched as Alvin got closer. Once Alvin was within shooting range, he yelled out, quote, There you are, you low-down polecat. I've been waiting for you. I'm going to kill you for what you've done to my poor little sister. End quote. Yuck. <laughs> Frank suddenly drew his revolver, cocked it back, took aim, and fired. Alvin grabbed his chest, screaming before falling to the ground. He withered in pain for a few moments before finally laying still. People began running in all directions. Nearby women fainted at the sight of the duel. A group ran up to Alvin and grabbed his lifeless body and carried it into the nearby saloon, out of sight of the train's people. Another group ran up on Frank, disarming him, and drug him to the nearby jail while he kicked and screamed. All the train people quickly scurried back on board, hiding inside the train. Few, st uh, few stared out as they waited for the train to be in motion again, but the train engineer, not wanting to mess up his schedule, waited for the proper time to depart. When that time finally came, the train lurched forward, leaving the dusty town behind. As it left, the townspeople all began to laugh. They had fooled all the tourists into thinking that they had really been a gun battle, but it was all a joke to them. Everyone in town and the workers on the train knew that this fake act of violence was not real, but nobody told the tourists on the train. This was the first time the town of Palisade, Nevada would fake the wild, wild west. 
Over the next several years, they'd put on shows for the tourists to travel by train, getting more and more elaborate as time went on, having multi-men shootouts all the way to bank robberies, and even recruiting the nearby Native American tribe who would ride in and pretend to scalp people of the town. Taking our money back from white people, one train at a time. <laughs> Always the town people were killed. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Always the town people were killed or injured in the battles. Never anyone riding or working on the train. People never picked up on that fact as people from the train would get to where they were going and report the events to the local newspaper. Palisade would soon be making the news nationwide as the most violent place west of Chicago. People wanted to see law and order brought to the places as talks of even sending in the military to keep order was brought up. This also drove tourism up as people from all over flocked by train to stop for their five minutes in hopes of catching a glimpse of the madness. The people of Palisade were always more than happy to entertain their visitors. Now, <laughs> enough, you're probably wondering, well, how did this end? What happened? I mean, how long did this go on for? And the honest truth is couple more years it went on until like the early 1910s and then they just decided they were done doing it no one apparently ever found out that was driving in from the not driving taking the train in from the east and 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 you know touring through the cross country to see the wild west no one ever figured it out they just kind of decided yeah we're done with that now the whole thing feels like like it would have been a really good side quest in red dead redemption one <laughs> yeah very much so yeah um agreed um, but yeah, that's that's basically the story. There, there's there's a little bit more to it, but it's just kind of uh, extraneous uh, information about what happened. And they do they do talk about actually that they managed to keep it going into 1932. I apologize, uh, where there was a report of an assassin assassination attempt on President Herbert Hoover, who was traveling through the town by train. Um, there was ever there was never any evidence that the man who apparently had 22 sticks of dynamite. Uh, actually had any dynamite or weaponry on him. But basically, the railroad inspector, the guy was just waiting on the tracks, and the railroad inspector basically just shooed him away. <laughs> kind of like, no now, no now, shush. <laughs> and that uh, was I hear you, scamp. <laughs> that was basically that. Um, so that is our it was so much more fun back in the day. <laughs> uh, that is our article, and... Um... And that's what we're going to be discussing today as a feature film. <laughs> it's it's a hell of a setup. Uh, I guarantee you we are not going to have the, the same uh, vibe that we've been having with each other uh, as we get into this. But uh, Nick, what do you got? Okay, so I, I agree with you. I don't think we're gonna. Um, I had a lot of trouble with this one, actually. And I think it's because the plot is so obviously there. Um, that I was like, well, how do I make it different? Because I don't want it to just be exactly what's shown. And I had some trouble with that. Mm -hmm. um, and I was having trouble kind of turning this into a film that wasn't just Rango or even A Bug's Life. Um, my idea was basically a group of four people, three men and one woman, come up with the idea to rack up tourism with the fake violence to help kind of ignite the the tourism aspect of their town and make more money. So this group of people come up with this idea um, and then <clears throat> what actually ends up happening is that a real outlaw gunslinger hears about how dangerous the town is and he wants to challenge himself into taking over that town. So now mm. uh, the final battle is the, the turn of this one gunslinger and his posse coming into this town and this town now has to act as, as accurately as possible 
to being a you know a wild le- a wild west outlaw gunslinger town um hmm. but i the idea is that the focus is mainly on the crew crafting their plans as they get more and more elaborate like going through the bank robberies and things i originally was going to start with an idea of like a character who kind of just stumbled out you know over the hills and into the town and he, he begins to try to ramp up his persona as this town thinks he's this crazy outlaw gunslinger but then i realized that really is just rango like that's the whole premise yep. of rango so i was like <laughs> exactly go that route so i thought the idea of making it a group of people coming together to come up with this idea a little bit more wacky uh my premise is a dark comedy uh and i think that's apropos for my director of choice martin mcdonough uh, who, if you don't know Martin McDonough, he's a huge playwright. Uh, he did Pillow Man and a bunch of other greats. But one of my favorite dark comedies of all time is In Bruges with Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Um, that's an excellent film. And then his second film would have been, uh, would have been, it was uh, Seven Psychopaths. Um, I think he has. I was going to say, what do you know that I don't? Yeah. Oh, that movie never came out, Rob. <laughs> oh, I'm fading away. <laughs> um, but the. The, his use of of dialogue and dramatic moments in a movie that is so blatantly uh just darkly humorous is is great and i think that would work well for this for this pitch so i am excited to see what you've come up with because i, I want to flesh this out together as i don't mm. have a lot there um my cat oh i was just about to ask you <laughs> oh yeah uh, my my cast of choice i choose the i chose the four groups so three men and one woman and then i also chose like the villain the real gunslinger who comes into town so my my three men a part of this group are mark ruffalo vigo mortensen and javier bardem and then my uh female of this group is my favorite actress eva green um i ended up choosing timothy oliphant for the real gunslinger because i want to bring him back to the old west and oh god we're in please stop putting the man in things that are westerns <laughs> let him be no he needs to be in westerns <laughs> um we're in an oliphant renaissance right now and i'm all about it um but that's that's my premise that's my cast and director i i could only actually come up with one title which i'm not thrilled about it's a, it's just a stupid pun and it's the wild wild mess and that's that's basically what up what up, up. That's basically the only thing I could come up with. I had a lot of trouble trying to flesh this one out, so I'm really excited to get to do that with you. Um, so I would like to know, Rob, since you think ours are so vastly different, what do you got? Well, the the first thing that sprung to my mind uh, and that I wanted to stay away from when I read the article was I kept thinking about the movie Unforgiven mm. uh, with Clint Eastwood, especially there's this character played by Saul Rubinek. Uh, who's a delightful, delightful man, uh, who is like a uh, newspaper reporter and penny dreadful author trying to find a uh, the archetypal Western gunslinger to follow around and write stories about. Bumps around from Richard Harris to Gene Hackman to Clint Eastwood. Um, and I, th- I was thinking something along those lines, but I, I couldn't do it in a way that didn't just wind up being unforgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, so I challenged myself to go outside of the box with this. And what I actually settled on doing was a musical. All right. Um, uh, the title I went for with it was aces and eights. <laughs> and ba- it's, it's the story of the town. Basically um, I would take it through uh, my lead actor is Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> um, also in the cast are Brian Tyree Henry, 
Uh, who's that? Do, um, do you watch Atlanta? No, I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Um, the other big one is, of course, uh, he plays Miles' father in Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Vera and Thaisa Farmiga uh, round up my cast. Nice. And basically, I would have Robert Downey Jr. play a um, East Coast con artist, um, basically making his way through the American West on his way to San Francisco. Um selling fake like gold claims and and you know snake oil and and really absolutely being as big a huckster as he can possibly be as he tries to make his way all the way west um he meets and forms a certain con alliance with brian tyree henry who i would have uh, be uh of late an actor who has played othello on uh on the big stage and is kind of looking for something to do uh and so they get to palisade and uh, knowing that it's a five-minute train stop, um, they they put on a, a little thing that lasts for five minutes that doesn't go super well, but then the idea kind of germinates to give these rich New York snobs <laughs> on their train ride across the country the show that they think they're looking for. Uh, kind of like that's the lightning bolt moment when it hits them. Um, uh-huh. So they partner up with people in the town to, to do that. Uh, and I thought, like, yeah, this is the definition of we're going to put on a show. So we might as well do a fucking musical with this movie. (laughs) (laughs) My director is David Dobkin, um, who is the director of movies like uh, Shanghai nights, Mm -hmm. change up wedding crashers. And this year on Netflix, he did Eurovision, a musical comedy film with Rachel McAdams and Will Ferrell. Nice. Uh, I have a quick question for you. Did you choose your cast based on knowing if they can sing or not, or did you disregard I am aware of the fact that Robert Downey Jr. can sing at least rock and roll. I believe Brian Tyree Henry has. Uh, I don't know if the Formiga sisters can. We'll find out. Yeah, I'm just curious. (laughs) I don't know. Brian Tyree Henry went to Yale. I'm sure he can do anything. Yeah. I I just (laughs) also I didn't realize he's the uh, he's the cool cop from the Child's Play remake. One of the best parts of that oh shoot i completely forgot about that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i think uh he's the real in joker and uh takes in the kid uh yes he is in joker as well mm-hmm. uh oh oh if beale street could talk that's one i forgot about that was a acclaimed mm-hmm. film um so yeah basically that's my my general idea for it um i do want to have uh one of my favorite character actors bill camp uh, show up in the movie as um, an alcoholic lawman who is the only one in Palisade that thinks it's real. Uh, and no one really <laughs> yeah. wants to bother him. Because <laughs> he's like this beloved older figure in the town. And they're like, just, all right, let's just make sure his gun is always loaded with blanks. Yeah. And let yeah. him do his thing. Cause it's actually better that way. And he feels purpose for the first time in 15 years. <laughs> Or okay, yeah, okay. Well, I want to get into this, but real quick, just to help with the pitch, you we should set it up that at some point they decide, you know, let's just let's let him let's let him be the hero, and like we'll have him stop the the robbery or something like mm-hmm. that. And I'll be like, good job, you did it. <laughs> yeah, strike up the piano, <laughs> right for Bill. <laughs> um, like, oh, bless him, and he's drunk. Uh, <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, so it's it's it just struck me as as being a good 
kind of wry setup for a modern musical. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, this is going to be interesting because I want to bring in both aspects from my side and your side. Uh, so we can definitely make it a musical. I think if we're going to go musical, though, I think we need to put in a composer. Um, that's fair. Um, I, I don't know a lot off the top of my head that aren't like... We might have to think on that. Well, duh, kind of things. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we can definitely bring in someone. Um, uh, who do you have as your director? Uh... Uh, his name is David Dobkin. Dobkin, yeah. He did the change-up, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. Change up, Wedding Crashers, Shanghai Nights, Eurovision. Okay, so you definitely think more long slapstick almost? Um, or at least not dark, I should say. Yeah, not not very dark at all, no. Okay, so it's more lighthearted. You got RDJ as a... I, I like the idea of RDJ being like this, this con man, you know, selling snake oils and stuff. I've, I've always been attracted to those type of characters that they bring in in the Twilight Zone. Um, mm-hmm. When they do Old West episodes or one of my favorite episodes is what's it called where the guy knows what everybody needs and it's like something they need in the near future to stop something bad from happening um Hmm. i can't remember the name of the episode but uh but i like those type of characters he's like you know he's carrying along this big suitcase of these items and stuff um so what do we do here what do you think uh that's a good question um uh, composers that just popped into my head were the team behind Avenue Q. Um, oh, yes. Who I love a great deal. Uh, Robert Lopez and, um, oh, shame on me. I forget his name. <laughs> of course, Robert Lopez went on to do like Frozen and stuff with the South Park guys, like uh, Book of Mormon, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a good direction to go in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I think in your idea, you had something approaching an actual plot development uh, or turn in the film with someone else arriving who thinks it's real. Yeah. Um, that way we can at least turn things on its head and maybe like now they have to put on a show that doesn't last for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, here's an idea then. What if we do bring in the, the outlaw gunslinger who is, you know, he sees, he hears about this town being the most dangerous town. He's like, if that's the most dangerous town, then I want to be the most dangerous man in it. Uh, so, you know, he comes along, and what if we have R.I.P.D. I'm just Jeff Bridges doing this. Uh-huh. Maybe it is Jeff Bridges. I don't know. <laughs> Jeff Bridges. I just have to tell if we direct this movie, I have to tell him, Jeff, I need you to enunciate, okay? I love God bless dearly. Let's take this accent, but it's so fucking it's everything I, is lost in his bottom lip. It's impossible. Like you any movie since True Grit he's done basically, you have to have the subtitles up. I don't know what he did. But True Grit, he decided, this is how I'm going to talk now. This is every movie. Well, it works in that, and it works in Crazy Heart, because in both of those, he's from West Texas. Yeah. And an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then R.I.P.D. was just the apotheosis of Jesus fucking Christ, man. Yeah. It's Please. just like, how did any director or any producer, like, watch the, you know, the reels from the, the, the dailies and just go... I can't understand a word he's saying, though. <laughs> and then Hell or High Water is like halfway there. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I love Jeff Bridges to death. He's he's amazing, and Hell or High Water is fantastic, but you, you gotta be able to be heard as an actor. People have to understand you. 
<laughs> um, but the idea Man. I'm coming up, the idea I'm coming up to, you know, you're not wrong. You're just an asshole. Um, the idea I'm coming up to here is that this villain comes along and maybe we have Bill Camp's character be the one to finally put him, put a bullet in him. You know, someone forgets to mm-hmm. check his gun for blanks. He's walking down the street with a bottle and he just goes, oh, oh God. Oh, that's <laughs> that's the climax of the film is, yeah. is our, our evil gunslinger is about to win. Yeah. And, and Bill Camp he saves is, the day. <laughs> you know, three sheets to the wind. But like <laughs> today's the day. The prop master forgot to swap out the real bullets. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, shoot. I didn't swap out his. It's fine. He's not even going to use the gun. He's already passed out drunk. <laughs> Oh, wait, let me just skip the... Uh, <laughs> uh, and then you just hear the shot. <laughs> yeah. um, so how do, we, how do we blend this? How do we blend this together? Um, I mean, plot-wise, I don't think it's, it's a difficult concept. No, I don't think together. so either. And I'm fine going the... Uh, I'm fine going the, the more comedic and, and musical route. Definitely musical, but I'm fine going the more comedic route as opposed to going... Uh, a darker comedy, although at some point in in the future, I would love to see an actual dark comedy western. I feel like that's not a genre that's done. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they are pretty hard to mash up. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah. Like, certain parts of Three Ten to Yuma were pretty funny, but like you know, on the other hand, it's not very yeah. funny at all. I mean, yeah, and and you know, there's some good humor and True Grit, but you know, I. I can't spend every episode of this podcast talking about the Coen brothers. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so I think, you know, act one, uh, is almost following like a producer's model of, uh, two of the characters meeting and kind of uniting their talents and arriving at Palisade and things kind of falling into place until we get kind of the, the big up moment of, of act one, uh, which is just as in the producers, like, you know, a producer can make more money with a flop than he could with a hit. Aha! You know, right. everything just absolutely explodes from that moment. Do you um, do you envision RDJ as being the one to come up with the idea to put on these fake crimes? I think... I'm going to say no. I think it's his idea to try and milk some money out of the people coming through town on the train. And there's moments of frustration because the train has only stopped for five minutes to pick up some coal and blow steam. Right. Um, and uh, just sort of commiserating in the bar with Brian Tyree Henry and the rest mm-hmm. of the cast. Uh, being like, I don't know, as an artist, you know, very highbrow, right. uh, how to give these people something that will make them give me their money in five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, um, so and, that's a really good maybe, question. How do we do that from a logic I, standpoint? Is it just the, are they robbing the train? Are we forgoing the whole no one on the train is in is in danger? No, I, I, th- I think that's that's a fine historical element of it. We don't necessarily have to get on get on the train and threaten their lives. Perhaps yeah, not until because I also feel like that, they're like I, we got to ramp up the show. Yeah, I also feel like at that point it's no longer a fake act of violence; it is a real act of violence. Yeah. Um. So how how do they make money from it? What is our premise here that gets them? money to like them coming through the town because the article doesn't really go into detail either it doesn't go into detail about how this actually made them money like how did you get tourism money back in the 1870s you know exactly 
Um, you know, how do you how do you make more trains stop on the way through here might be part of it. But I think um, I think offhand maybe the idea germinates with one of the ladies. Uh, and like Vera Farmiga just sort of notes like, well, you know, these people coming from east to west don't really care to see anything we can show at them. The only thing people are interested in on the yeah. way to the west coast is you know seeing a little slice of the wild west i don't know how you do that in five minutes hmm <laughs> you know <laughs> and then it's just like well only takes a couple seconds to shoot someone <laughs> i like that line that's a good tagline and only takes a second to shoot someone <laughs> and uh if they're trying to build people out of money for it i think uh there's a variety of schemes you can do, like, you know, you see somebody get gunned down by some lawless outlaw, and it's like, ah, oh, folks, he's uh, so leaving his widow and his, his four young kids all alone back on the oh. ranch. What are we going to do? Do you folks think maybe you can throw a couple of nickels our way so we can give him a nice proper burial and make sure the kids are fed? <laughs> I like that. That's that's like just just enough over the top that it would work. You know, I like mm. that basically panhandling via fake murder mm-hmm. um, <laughs> i like that um now i'm trying to think of an, a title with like the word panhandling in it because of like the gold rush or something oh yeah um, yeah <laughs> um okay i like that so so let's 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 cast this one out first so we have rdj as the the east east con man mm-hmm. um and who is brian tyree for you again what was he uh he's a stage actor He's a stage actor. Okay. Um, so we keep him in. I'm fine with that. Um, and then, so I would like to bring in, at least I would like to bring in Vigo Mortensen. Um, Do you want him to be the outlaw? The real one? I was just thinking that. Might replace Timothy Oliphant with him, yeah. if we Because I would love to see Vigo. Well, he did a Western. Wasn't that uh, Hidalgo? I guess that was kind of a Western. I, yeah, it's like a, a horse, horse racing movie in Saudi yeah. Arabia, but he's like a cowboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so then the outlaw can be Vigo. And your... So the the Formiga sisters, what were they to you again? Um, so they, they to me, are uh, two people who actually live in Palisade, and I think I wanted them to own the tavern. Okay, because I was just going to say I'd like to bring in Eva Green as, like, the saloon uh, barkeep or, or maybe even the, uh, the 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 head of the brothel or something like that. Um, <laughs> That's so, fine by me. Yeah, so we bring in Vera. And how do you spell Tasa? Is it T-A-I-S-S-A? Uh, it's, it's T-A-I-S-S-A, I believe. Okay, so I was right. Um, oh, wait, you know that they were born 21 years apart? Yeah, there's a huge uh Her parents, like, good on you, folks. Good on you. <laughs> well, when I when I first saw Tessa in uh, American Horror Story, when that fir- when that show first came out, I thought I thought she would have been Vera's daughter, you know? You'd think. Um, but yeah, they're sisters, and they're both awesome. I love them. It's, um, it, it remi- it's like, uh, what's his name? Stellan Skarsgård and his eight kids ranging yeah. age from, like, 40 to 15. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Just Is is Alexander the oldest? I think so, right? Uh yeah, he was born in like the mid seventies. And then there's um the youngest one who's also an actor, I think he's like twenty five now. Damn. So many, so many scars guards. Um too many scars cards. <laughs> too many scars cards. Too many cooks. <laughs> yeah, so Stellan's kids range in age from forty four. Jesus. 
to oh no, Walter's not even the youngest one. That's the youngest from his first marriage. He had two kids with his wife that he married in two thousand nine. So yeah, he has a couple of preteens. Jeez, but stop sorry. it, Stellan. <laughs> Alexander's not forty four, is he? Alexander's forty four. Holy hell, damn. Good, good on him. <laughs> we can we can have the entire Skarsgård clan invade this film if we want. To. Oh my god, they're just like an outlaw gang that has like a small cameo. <laughs> yeah, there's like. Including Stellan, there's five actors in that family. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Imagine being the couple that aren't like, well, what do you want to start like auditioning and stuff? I was like, no, I want to be a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Vigo can be the outlaw. Vera and Tessa own the tavern. I'm going to bring in Eva as like the, what's the, is it a mistress? Is that what they're called? The owner of a brothel? Uh, madam. Madam, madam, I should know that considering of our New, or- uh, New Orleans episode. New Orleans. New Orleans, madam of the brothel. And Keep then her up the zoo. Ready to <laughs> we can use uh, David, uh, your director. Um, Dobkin, David Dobkin. Dobkin. I keep wanting to say Dobrik. Isn't that like a singer? Is a YouTube star. YouTube star. Dobkin. So, there we go. And your title was Aces... Aces and Eights. Aces and Eights. That's um, definitely a musical title. Yeah, that's the uh, the quote-unquote Dead Man's Hand. Hmm. Uh, the last, uh, the last uh, few cards that yeah. Wild Bill Hickok was uh, holding when he got shot. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All black uh, pair of aces and a play, pair of eights. Hmm. <laughs> It's now um, very superstitious. Like some pro players will not. It's a good hand. Some people will just flat out not play it. Like they'll just fold. Yep. <laughs> Damn. Imagine with like a huge pot. Um, okay. So I'm trying. I'm just thinking. Of, I'm still trying to think of like a title with like panhandle in it or something like that. <laughs> um, well, let's Google the word panhandle and see if we learn any old timey terms. <laughs> <laughs> Hand handle about uh, what do you call it? Getting uh, getting gold out of the river or whatever. Panhandle, a narrow strip of territory. <laughs> oh, like the Florida panhandle. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look up the gold rush. I apologize panning for the loudness for of my gold. keyboard. Yeah, it's a mechanical keyboard. So, God, you can buy gold panning kits. Are people just going down to the river doing this? Dude, imagine yeah, striking are. gold now. <laughs> like being be like, oh. like uh, <laughs> they must have missed the, this. The big bad from Deadwood, George Hurst. Yeah, uh, his last like uh, gold mine from that period only went dry eight years ago. Jesus, yeah, that's insane. I mean, he struck big. <laughs> uh, um, the mother load. The mother load. Oh yeah, I see that here too. Actually, um, hmm. I just, I don't know. Aces, Aces and Eights is good. It's a very musical title. It sure is. And, uh, you know, it's, it kind of plays into, like, you know, the, the very dangerous game that they are playing by making this town seeming like a lawless wasteland. Like, did you not think 
<laughs> but, you know, yeah. you put your cards on the table and you didn't expect anyone else was going to play. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you sat down at the table and you were surprised when other people put down their weapons and money. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's a, that's a great thing. So we should probably... Should we have, I, we're getting to a, like a, a little bit of a larger cast, but should we have like a mayor or something that's like behind it, but maybe he's the big coward and uh, <laughs> tries to, you know, run away at the sight of actual danger? The, off the top of my head, that would have been Bill Camp if we didn't find a better role for him as the town drunk slash sheriff. Okay, um, here's an idea. What if we use Jeff Bridges? You know what? Yeah, sure. We'll give him, we'll give him his own number. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be like uh are you familiar with the best little whorehouse in texas no it's a it's a stage musical and also a, a movie musical with burt okay. reynolds and dolly parton but um charles durning is is one of the great all-time uh character actors and he appears in that movie mm-hmm. for one scene as the governor of Texas and sings a song called Sidestep in which he constantly manipulates the press to his own advantage. <laughs> and they gave him an Oscar nomination just for being in that one scene and singing that one song. And I kind of, I kind of want to do the same thing with Jeff Bridges here. Okay. I'm about that. Yeah. Just like a one scene cameo. Um, That's great. Yeah. Especially cause we know he can also sing. Um, I still haven't seen crazy hard actually. Crazy Heart is great. It's uh, it, it can be a tough watch, but it's um, uh, him and Maggie Joe and Hall are both absolutely fantastic in it. Nice. So okay, and so the, let's... the songs are incredible. They're all written by a country music legend, T Bone Burnett. Nice. So let's let's uh, let's stretch this plot. Let's see what we got here. So let's do three acts. Um, well, actually, no. This is going to be a musical movie, so this is two acts. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's try to put this into a two act musical uh film musical so we start off a with <laughs> maybe these two characters um you said the kind of like i don't know just fooling around or something in front of the train maybe and maybe maybe rdj is on that train like he's he was actually passing through town mm-hmm. but then he he saw these two guys kind of i think he gets i think he gets kicked off the train in palisade oh okay so like for he, being he's a been bumming like you know how sometimes people will jump on the uh, on the train, yeah, because <laughs> they yeah, know yeah. like they can at least make it one stop without getting kicked off. Yep, <laughs> like, it's that kind of deal. Okay, so he gets kicked off and he's kind of like tumbling through town, and then there are these two guys that are fighting, and they're they're quote unquote con men. They're not good at it. They're just trying to make a quick buck. Uh, yes. So they're fighting, and then maybe he discovers them. He kind of stands there and watches them in the street for a little bit and then decides, hmm, maybe if this town is actually like about this, we can make something of it, you know? Hmm. Yeah, I, I, hmm. I think that I think that starts the action a little too quick. OK, so how do you want to begin? I mean, what should what, let's let's think of it in terms of song. What's their intro song? That that I cannot help you with. Uh I don't mean actually writing a song. I just mean like, what's the in, yeah. what's the inciting incident for this musical? I, I I like the the notion of like the big opening number being like this Blazing Saddles esque ode to the old west and okay, like what a lawless but exciting time it is. And then like 
oops, slipped and shit in the road again. <laughs> kind of thing, a, like, did you ever end up seeing uh, the Broadway show Curtains with uh, David Hyde uh, Pierce? Uh, no, I never saw Curtains. Okay, it's a it's a really good show, but the the premise of it is a Boston Conservatory theater putting on a very flashy western. So I, mm. I definitely. I feel that style as well. Um, yeah, just kind of like the the fake. What is it you say about bringing it back to the Coen Brothers? What is it you say about um, uh, Hail Caesar? It's a very oh, I, 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 uh, Hail Caesar is a very romantic look at how um, falsely romantic Hollywood was in that period. Yeah, so I think I think that's what we do with this intro song. We make it a very a very romantic song about the Wild West while all these things are happening in the back. It's I you know, I see very Avenue Q. Like all these characters are singing about, you know, the Wild West, make money, you know, gold digging and things like that. And there's people getting shot in the streets and like the horses flying off with people's uh uh people wrapped around the back of them and just being dragged and stuff like that. Oh, I absolutely love that. Yeah. It's yeah. It, that'll be our that'll be our, hom- our homage to Mel Brooks, definitely. Yep. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we open with that and then, so how do we, how do we get to, do we then after the intro song, is that when, uh, we're met with RDJ and he, he just gets kicked off the train? Yep. I think, uh, I think he's asked for his ticket and you know, obviously doesn't have one, uh, maybe tries to start some sort of, uh, uh, plea, like, you know, plea for plea for help on the train in, the, in yeah. that kind of way like oh i'm just a poor veteran of, of this and that and it's like oh yeah where, where uh, what unit uh yeah. the union <laughs> no wait. get him out of here. <laughs> what unit the, i can trade the, you some vials of dr pepper <laughs> the the fifth the fifth unit <laughs> yeah it's just for the civil war hmm. <laughs> Yeah, um. <laughs> I think he gets thrown off the train. I think he encounters Brian Tyree Henry, just sort of like doing an Othello speech and seeing if he can get like a nickel out of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and then, so yeah, okay. So how does he get off the train with him? Is that how does he end up trying to like help him or something? Uh, yeah, I mean, he might get wrapped up in it or. I don't know if we want to lean into the the shittiness of the period and be like, you know, you're not supposed to be in this car, right? Yeah, yeah, we could, kind and then thing. just have him get kicked off or something like that. Yeah, but it's, you know, I'm so and so. I just appeared to great acclaim in on yeah. Manhattan in Otello. <laughs> I'm <laughs> on my way to San Francisco to an engagement with the San Francisco <laughs> Opera House. Okay, um. your door is that way. <laughs> like. And then yeah, and then he just throws a hiss—not a hissy fit. That's that's the complete wrong thing to say there. Uh, but he throws—he he stands his ground against them doing this, and then maybe basically him and uh, RDJ kind of get pushed into each other and off yep. the train. Um, and then that, that's how they meet, and they uh, you know introduce themselves. There's a song right there. No ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so they introduce themselves, um, and they're off the train, and now they're they're walking through this incredibly bland boring what looks like a facade western town mm-hmm. uh, because again they they built the saloons and the and the taverns and everything for the sole purpose of making it look like an old west town so it can look like back to the future three like it can look like a set <laughs> um, and we we introduce them there and then where do we go from there 
we obviously don't have to do every single scene, but yeah, I, I think obviously they discover that there's not, uh, there's not natively in this town money to be made. Um, yeah. Cause it's just sort of dreary. And it's like, well, if you don't like need a glass of water or, or fuel <laughs> for a train, you know, there's not a lot to do. <laughs> it's got that kind of malaise about it. Like we're sort of a slow paced town. <laughs> just getting quietly nods off. Just it's just the, the the guy the bar the barkeep just is like you know wiping down the one glass with the rag and he's just like he speaks so slow. <laughs> you only have literally. one glass. Eh, don't really need more. <laughs> <laughs> There's one guy in the bar and it's Bill Camp. He's just barkeep. Another one. <laughs> it's like all right, Bill, just take the bottle. <laughs> Uh, thank you, sir. <laughs> Stands up and he starts singing a song, but then he just falls over drunk. <laughs> like it like, opens, it yeah, opens. They, they start trying beat. to do like a little, a little stage performance of of something, maybe some something comedic. And it's like, hey, who wrote that? Uh, it's Shakespeare. Is he dead? Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> People shit on Shakespeare, and Brian Tyree is just like, "Well, how dare you, sir?" Yeah. <laughs> He's just like the affluential man that's just like, yep. like completely fed up with the West. Yep. And then we just, just come to that to the collective thing. realization moment of like, you know, five minutes isn't a lot of time, but yeah. uh, in terms of silence, five minutes is everything. I can fill <laughs> five minutes of silence and get us some money out of this. You know, it's it's almost that um, that moment in Sweeney Todd when when they realize uh, you, know, you can put people in pies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know what's interesting is the idea that so Brian Tyree gets kicked off the train, which means all of his luggage was in his car, so he doesn't have any money or anything. So he's trying to get the money just so he can get out to San Francisco. Yep, hundred percent. You know, um, and RDJ is just trying to get the money because he's a con man. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, the third scene in the thing is probably them, you know, sharing their woes with with the ladies at the tavern. Um, yeah. And one nice, of them making nice an offhand comment. Or something. Yeah. yeah. And then just, there it is. There it is. That's and how they, that's how they come the mayor involved. He signs off on it in, in a big number. And then the whole town kind of gets enthused with it. And it's like, hey, I think we'll remember what we're called now. Yeah, I, I think the idea is that they try it themselves and it goes so well that then the mayor calls them in and is like, what are what are you doing? <laughs> I think it, it would be fun if it was this sort of, um, uh, I don't know how to put it, but this very insincere number where he's making it clear as the song goes on that he knows they're making money off people on the trains and, uh, you know, <clears throat> local taxes have to be paid. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very like, uh, oh, what show am I thinking of where like it, the song is just all about greed? I mean, it, it can be anything from like you're in town or anything like that. But, you know, Certainly. it's just the, the corporate mayor uh, just singing a song about like it's all about money and and, and uh, you know, getting what's yours and stuff like that. It's that very, very like, like it probably is. Uh, but it's a very like. I think this movie should be a very big, flashy 60s musical, you know? Oh, yeah, I can see that. Um, mm. Like, with all these different big numbers where all these characters just sing about, like, basically what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, so we go through and we get the, 
Yep. Yeah. 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 We're we're you know we're still writers. <laughs> <laughs> like Robert Downey uh, Jr. is initially pitching this to the town in this very like the Music Man fashion of like this you know we're gonna get your name out there and we're gonna put Palisades on the map. Um, yeah. He doesn't tell them that he's part of it is that he's trying to build money out of people. Right. Like yeah. to them, it's just about Palisade. Like, you know, yep. And they're like, oh, he's helping here. our town. Why is he doing this for us? I don't know. He sold me a bit bottle of Dr. Pepper, and I think my leg's growing back, though. <laughs> my nose is bleeding every five minutes, but I- I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Downey says it's okay if it's only one nostril. <laughs> he says when it's the right one, you got to stop worrying about it. <laughs> I went a little. I went a little uh, Adam Sandler there, but that's fine. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Come on, um, Adam, make a little cameo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make up for Stop the ridiculous. Stop looking at me, Swan. Um, so then we, you know, we we do all that stuff, and then we just got to get to the outlaw. So Vigo, there's a you know, there's a moment where he hears that uh, this town is the most dangerous town in the West, and he says, "Well, that you know, that that can't be. I'm not there. You know." Oh um, yeah, like Act One finales is the the number something like you know front page news. Like they've made the front page of the big newspaper in the territory, yeah. and it's like yeah, now everybody's gonna know Palisades is here, and then yep. that's, it's got like this ominous ring to it for a sec. Yep, and then there's this Vigo song that's just something along the lines of like, "Ain't no danger Act without two, scene me." One, Vigo. <laughs> yeah, ain't no danger without me there or something like that, <laughs> and he's singing about <laughs> that. <laughs> um. So then we bring him in, and then the, the yeah, the whole premise is just them finally coming together. And you know, RDJ is probably like trying to skip town at this point, um, mm-hmm. but he decides to stay and help because you know he's learned a lesson and blah 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 blah. <laughs> so now it's almost turning, and it's got elements of Rango, it's got elements of Blazing Saddles, making the fake yeah. town, and then yeah. it's got elements of uh, uh, Chicken Run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, oh, I love Chicken Run so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the premise. I think that's everything we got. Now, how do we end it? That's the biggest thing. So they, they oh well, well, I guess we decided that already because Bill Camp just, uh, accidentally shoots shoots uh, Vigo Mortensen and saves the day, right? Uh, oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's the climax of the movie. <laughs> um, which is interesting because at that point, what do we do with RDJ? You know. Uh, I think the big finale of the show is things kind of going on as normal in Palisade and they're going to keep doing this little show for people to come through, but it's going to have a slightly more, more wholesome wild West vibe to it. Like they're not going to lean so much into the horrible violence. I like, that. uh, and maybe like we'll do just kind of that little sly, like Robert Downey Jr. has got an opportunity to, uh, uh, bilk a couple bucks out of somebody, but he locks eyes with Vera for and it's like, you know, a little more pulling away from that life. Yeah, yeah, he lets it go. Um, yeah, I like that. I think that's the ending. I mean, we got a we got ourselves a movie musical. First time we've ever pitched one. <laughs> I, I've been looking at like different options for composers. Um, so I had brought up Lopez and Marks from Avenue Q before. Yeah, and now I think you ever see something rotten? Uh, no, I haven't actually. And oh, I, it's I such want a fun to. show. I, I love it, love it, love it. So those two composers are are pretty pretty damn good. Uh, the Kirkpatricks. Yeah, I feel like uh, that would be a great a great fit for the. I've heard I've heard some of the music. 
I feel like that'd be a great yeah, fit. You know, for it's this. about inventing a musical, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, they, yeah. we have that Shakespeare joke. <laughs> Rock star William Shakespeare. It was it was such a fun show. <laughs> yeah, I I wish I got a chance to Ooh, see it. Excuse me. No, me too. I um, wish I could see anything at this point, but yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, Broadway <laughs> will be back. We just have to wait. Um, okay, I think we have a movie. I think we have a movie. We did it. We have a cast. We have a movie. We have our first musical. And we have a Western. The end. All right, goodbye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. We've already done a Western. We did Bass Reeves. We did, but that was I much. I forgot more, about that. <laughs> I, I I was thinking about that too while I was thinking while I was reading this article. But you know, I I guess that yeah that that is a western, but it's more it's more a biopic. You know, it's That's more true. it follows one man as opposed to experiencing the the era. Because um, we went through kind of not most of his life, but a good portion of his life after That's after true. he was. Uh, uh, after he ran away from from slavery, that feels like forever ago. I mean, that was we probably did that episode what a year and a half ago. <sighs> yeah, I mean, we 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 run into to ruts where we we don't have t- you know because scheduling and stuff where we don't have time to to post up. So we uh, kind of kick ourselves in the butt by uh, we had a long COVID vacation. We did, and that was for obvious reasons. We wanted to stay safe and that's why we're recording separately uh from now until probably further notice i would think Somewhere um <laughs> nick are you looking at the same moon i am right now i was uh, there's the a, answer there's is no it's overcast my computer oh yeah that that too not the porn um <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us everybody we hope you enjoyed this fun musical episode we hope you enjoyed my quick little santa pitch from christmas eve we hope we had a Good holiday, good new year. Um, please stay safe. There are things happening in the world that are quite dangerous, and we want you all to be safe and uh, care for your loved ones. Wear a mask and uh, don't storm the Capitol building. Um, yeah, we promise we're not going to pitch a movie about that. Yeah, yeah, that's we're not Michael Bay. Um, we're not going to go. <laughs> we're not going to go that route. Um, I I don't know if I have anything else. Rob, do you have anything else? Ah. Uh, no, just like Nick said, um, try and stay safe. Where I think we're looking at the right end of this now. We got the vaccines coming out. I just yeah. signed up on the the NJ website to see when my time yeah, might come. So. Yes, um, yes, you do, Nick. Yes, I do. Um, again, as always, if you guys have any article ideas, please send them to us. We have one actually in the uh, in the email right now that we're gonna take a look at from uh, from a fellow gentleman in the um, old spank bank. <laughs> oh, it's not that as the email. Um, <laughs> if you do have any articles, please email them to us at wdygpodcast dot uh, at, e- at gmail dot com or tweet us or Facebook or wherever you listen to us. Post, write a review. Uh, please share, uh, share with your friends and family if you like this podcast. We really enjoy making it, and we'd love to to get some more traction so that we can continue to make it uh, in a more professional setting. Uh, as well as have more people listen to it so we can get more ideas from you guys to pitch. Uh, that's all I have. <laughs> that sounds so final. <laughs> this is that's, the way. That's I it. have that's, spoken. There's no more show. <laughs> all right, guys, this has black. been great. Uh, I've been Rob. I've been Nick. And that's what we got. 
What Do You Got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Weiss. You can find her on Twitter at, at Gabby Weiss. 